Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. It's a special show today as it is deadline day in France and in most of Europe. And we are recording just two hours from the closure of the transfer market. We'll be discussing all the latest stories, all the big transfers from the past few days and anything else that could happen between now and the end of our recording. We'll also, of course, be discussing all the legal action from this weekend. For the first time since 1963, no club is undefeated after four matches. It's also been 40 years since Saint-Étienne last won in Marseille and going on 41 after Sunday's match, which saw Marseille prevail. Nice, PSG and Angers all won, joining Rennes at the top with nine points. Uh, we'll finish up late news about Les Bleus. They start their season this weekend. Uh, they play Albania on Saturday and we'll of course talk about the surprise that Matteo Genduzzi had earlier today. Here with me, as always, are Rich Allen and Muhammad Ali. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Let's start with the big news that I did not mention in the introduction. On Saturday, Neymar announced to his teammates that he will be staying at PSG this season. His teammates have apparently already made the Sequeda joke, so I guess we don't have to. Guys, uh, it's been a, a hell of a summer. <laughs> following this story and all of it for all for the final revelation to be, you know, he stays, but for now, when will this drama continue? It's, 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 a, it's a bit of a strange one, that, because it's taken all summer once more. And I think PSG were always quite clear that if an offer was going to come in, it would have to match somewhere near the 222 million euros that they've paid. And for Barcelona not to go anywhere near that. It was rumours about 100 million and plus one or two players as Mandembele being the prime name mentioned. And then the revelation that they've actually made their first written offer five days ago means that they weren't wholly Mm -hmm. serious and they were just waiting. And I think that, I think personally, you know, by by mid-June, it wasn't relatively clear that, um, that Neymar was going to leave. But... The fact that they re-signed Griezmann mm. and then that, this opportunity has slightly presented itself, Barcelona feel like they've made a sort of bit of a faux pas and were trying to engineer a deal that was as creative as the one that Mbappe signed in Paris with, where you pay a hefty loan fee up front um, and then trying to negotiate around FFP with an option to buy later on. But PSG were adamant. And while you know the strength is PSG, Neymar is still a fantastic player and I think the the cracks will paper over. Uh, it's a signal of intent from Leonardo, who I've always been adamant that he's been the best sporting director of that club for, for ages, in that he's made clear that if you stay, you work and you work hard and you will you know, learn French and integrate and all of this sort of, sort of stuff. Um, and if you do leave, you're able to leave, but you've got to convince the other side that they need to stump up. You know, you're the third best player in the world. You are you know, one of the most marketable faces in sports. Um, we're not going to give you away cheaply because that will hurt our credibility and brand far more than any 222 million euros uh, will. So it's it's great that PSG have stuck to their guns. It's even better that he's staying. Um, and it's uh, a big uh, sort of coup for, for Leonardo and Nassau Khalifi. Mm-hmm. What, what I find and quite interesting think... about it... Yeah, so what, what I was going to say, what I find quite interesting about it now is... Um, is is how it how everybody moves on from this now obviously we we had the story week two weeks ago of of leonardo 
pretty much calling Neymar out in front of the in front of the rest of the squad. Um, you know, interesting to see how Neymar reacts to that. He doesn't seem to have taken too kindly to to discipline previously. So how he reacts to that would be mm-hmm. a, a, an interesting thing to know. And of course, the big it's, one then it's is... It's an opportunity it's, it's the, for him, though. Well, it is. Um, it's an opportunity I, for I, him I, to show that he can be disciplined, that he can grow as a player and, and you know, respond to criticism. And, you know, he can maybe show maturity that he hasn't really shown in his first two years. I, I think, you know, it's going to be a little bit awkward at first, but, you know... If he puts his head I down, think and gets it, it, done, it, it, could... it will be awkward. You're right, um, but I think his beef is not with his, you know, his uh, currently you not know, with his with his teammates, etc. And given um, mm. sort of the way that PSG and Alcalavi have bent uh, backwards for him, um, it won't be it won't be awkward for him to sort of just come back. But will the fans accept him? You know, two weeks ago with those banners, with their sort of you know, the lack of patience um, in that he's, he's, he's always been not 100% there mentally in Paris, you know, that he, he's not taking the project very, very seriously. Um, you know, his relationship with Mbappe and co will all be fine. Um, with Thiago Silva, he'll still be afforded, you know, the, the term Prince of Paris. It's, 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 that's not a problem. It's whether... Uh, the fans will sort of spur him on, and he there's there's, there's always been an idea that the PSG fans are not gullible, uh, modern day fans, where because this world star has come, they will sort of lose mm. their you know their heads over him, even during uh, the penalty gate and and the the you know the issue last January when uh, Neymar had spurned uh, Cavani's chance to become the all time leading goal scorer. Um, I should have given it to Cavani. The fans were very clear that that was disrespectful. This guy, Edson Cavani, has done far more and has been far more respectful um, to to this club than you ever have. So you know you're you're sort of stealing his his moment. So it's the the, the awkwardness will come in, this, in the relationship between the fans. I think once he gets back on the pitch and gets a ninety minute, um, you know, stint on his belt and a couple of goals here and there, I think all will largely be fine. But then again. Mm-hmm. He has to if he's going to if things are going not to be awkward. He has to sort of commit himself. If Barcelona, Real Madrid, or anybody else come in with that bid next summer, fair enough. But he can't sort of have that middling season where he scores fifteen, twenty goals against the low half of Liga and PSG knockout. He goes injured for three months, and then next summer engages in a bit of arm wrestling again. That that will not be tolerated. The other big news at PSG today is about Mauro Icardi. I think the rumors. Uh, started last night around then and reportedly it's very likely that the Inter Milan striker signs for Paris even though not a lot of details have come through at the moment where we are recording Rich what do we know so far about this possible deal? Um, well it, it seems that it's going to be announced imminently um, both Icardi and his other half have been seen in Paris um, it, it just seems a, a matter of of, of when it'll be announced, not if it'll be announced. It's a cur- it's a curious one. Um, for me, it, it it smacks of do they perhaps have slightly longer term injury concerns over Mbappe and Cavani? Um, obviously, mm-hmm. both picked up. Uh, well, we have a question actually um, from we have a question from Hamza who asks what is now Cavani's future with the club. I think that's you know that's a good point because. There have been rumours of Cavani leaving at the end of this season, so maybe they're thinking ahead to that. 
Well, yeah, I mean, it, they could be thinking ahead to that, but then it's curious to have just brought in the player on on loan, maybe for someone that's caused a little bit of a a bit of upset perhaps behind the scenes at Inter Milan. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 an it's an interest. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I can only presume that there are concerns over not rushing Mbappe back, not rushing, especially Mbappe, not rushing Cavani back. You know, who knows when Neymar gets integrated into that team? Maybe there is a concern over over who will supply the goals. Now, of course, in the immediate short term, you can't dispute that Chupo Moting has been anything other than the, the perfect standing. But as they move into the Champions League... And of course, with the group that they've been drawn and it being, you know, pretty, you know, relatively tough on paper, they may be thinking, okay, perhaps promoting is not going to be the goal scorer for that particular level. So, you know, on on that on that in that context, Icardi makes some sense. He is a he is a goal scorer. He has done very well um, in Italy. So I can see perhaps why, but. You know, I don't necessarily see them converting this into a into a permanent deal. Um, I don't know if it's been. Mm. If we know at this stage whether the the loan deal will include um, any uh, any purchase option um, at the end of the. We uh, don't know yet. Deal. Yeah, we have no but, idea for the. But fees. yeah, I, I just I just think it's it just gives them another it gives them another. Um, option up front um, it will allow them, it will take that pressure off having to perhaps rush Mbappe back um, because you know we know with, with young players who rely so much on pace uh, you know a hamstring injury, any kind of muscle injury you cannot risk you, re- you really cannot risk so yeah, Icardi, Icardi coming in makes sense in, in that regard and you've just got to hope that he's he's willing to you know, to, to, to join the team, knuckle down, work hard, because, you know, that will be certainly what Leonardo will be demanding. That's what Thomas Tuchel will be demanding. Um, and as regards Cavani's long-term future, I, I personally thought he would have left this transfer window. Maybe if he hadn't picked up the knock, he might well have done. Um, mm. Certainly, I, I can't see him staying beyond next summer. Um, I think I think PSG will want to... to look at his contract... Is it next summer or the summer after that? I'm not uh, too sure. No I'll idea. I thought that. I feel it was uh, yeah, still another plus year on top. Um, but just going okay. on with what what Richard said, I found it pretty astounding that um, PSG signed Icardi. Um, they personally, well, I think that to be confirmed still, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be, I mean, this looks to be largely already done. Though we've still got at the time of this podcast mm-hmm. about an hour and a half <laughs> left, um, but. Um, I don't, I don't know, because, you know, there, there was well-documented issues with Icardi and Inter Milan um, mm. over the last couple of weeks. Um, and a couple of days ago, he was accusing Inter of some form of discrimination and was suing his own club. Um, and the fact that he has issues with, with the fans, etc. But this, you know, maybe maybe they got him on a cheap deal. Maybe that Inter were desperate to sort of have a stable... Um, a stable team, Lukaku started very well in Milan, um, that they've offered him on uh, to PSG, who combined with Cavani injury woes, etc., have have decided, you know, yeah, it's worth it. Um, and mm. if that they're trying, you know, if if that deal, and we don't know yet, 
uh, comes with a, a you know an option to buy, then it sort of makes sense in the transition sort of phase. It makes it makes complete sense. But if it's a dry loan, um, I just find it pretty astounding because one of the questions you mentioned is that how are they going to accommodate all of these strikers and attacking uh, players all together? For example, who's going to play? First of all, actually promoting has started very very well. Obviously, he's not going to be the first name on the team sheet in the Champions League against Real Madrid. Now it's quite clear. But he and he'll be okay of, with being a sub. It's exactly, a, yeah. and he's the man you go to in those dreary Coupe de France, Coupe de la Ligue games, uh, where <laughs> he's he's you know in December, in January, in February, when you want to rest your your number ones uh, and your number twos, um, where you know true promoting will be fl- you know like last season was flanked by uh, Moussa Diaby um, and you know these sort of players that come in and do really really well. You don't buy a 70 million striker to play in those games. Or if you're going to save your 70 million striker, you're not going to put your current first, you know, first uh, striker like Cavani, um, you know, demote him into those, you know, positions where he's only going to play, you know, tier two, tier three games and 15, 20 minutes here and there. Um, and if they do that, then it, it will, you know, cause a bit of a fuss later down the line because. You've got Neymar on one side with his documented issues we've just spoken about. You've got Kylian Mbappe, who yeah. is hell-bent on being the number one star in, at Paris, and it's deservedly, you know, probably deservingly so. Uh, you've got Cavani, who ha- is you know, very responsible for the successes that PSG have had, completely at a domestic level, the club's record goal scorer. Um, and despite a couple of injuries here and there, sh- uh, you know, it's still deserving of complete respect. Uh, especially after waiting for Zlatan Ibrahimovic to absolutely and to, to, Cavani's, to contract, Cavani's contract does run until 2020. Oh. I can confirm okay. that. Um, other PSG news from today: uh, Thomas Meunier and Leandro Paredes both deciding to stay, even though there was various rumors sending them uh, to other clubs earlier in the day. Also for PSG, something that we've talked about a little bit in the past few weeks. And that has to do with their young players leaving the club. Uh, another round of players left over the weekend. There was three of them, three or four of them. I would recommend you read the article on The Guardian written by GFFN's own Eric Devin on how PSG have allowed so many young players to leave the club. Uh, Rich, do you want to talk us through what happened uh, with the goalkeeping merry-go-round Obviously, we talked about the kind of general situation of the goalkeepers in Paris, but maybe just who's in, who's out, uh, what does this mean, who's going to be starting, and so on. Yeah, well, they've—I mean, they've—they finally, as far as I'm concerned, they finally put Ariola out of his misery. Uh, a player I've been very vocal about, and I think a lot of people have been very vocal, has deserved infinitely more respect. Than, than he has received from from PSG, from large portions of the PSG fan base. Um, I firmly believe he is still an excellent goalkeeper. I firmly believe that the way PSG have, have behaved to him, especially this summer, you know, we, we've gone from, he was the number one, uh, he should have been the number outright number one last season, but they brought Buffon in for some, you know, sort of glamour project. And he still won't be um, that, number one in Madrid, that, unfortunately, that, for him. That, but Yeah, I mean, but I still think he's gonna play more. And I think ultimately they, the, they will treat him they will treat him with more respect. PSG mm. completely messed him around. 
He's a goalkeeper who by now, yeah, I don't think the move to Real Madrid is the best. I'm, I'm, I'm not for any uh, for any any reason saying that it's the best move for, for for Ariola because yeah, he should be playing first team football. He's at that age now. He's a he's a full international. I think he's been an, a, a really good goalkeeper for PSG over the last few seasons. Quite where these PSG fans are coming from when they say he's been he's been unreliable. He's been Error prime. He he really hasn't. Look at look at the big I, matches last season. It was Buffon making the errors, not Ariola. <laughs> Ariola is a goalkeeper who just hasn't been given um, the fair rub of the green. He should have been installed as number one last season. He certainly should have been installed number one this season. And um, because he's not some big name, because they haven't spent a huge chunk of money on him, PSG. It seems relatively fan-led. This sort yeah, of dissatisfaction with Ariola. I agree. But he's, but he's, what he's do you think been... of of Keylor Navas and Sergio Rico? You know, as his replacements. Well, Sergio, I don't see Sergio Rico as his replacement. Sergio Rico will come in as a number two. Will play the mm-hmm. odd game here or there. Keylor Navas, yeah, I mean, he's a good goalkeeper. Um, he's he's got you know experience of the big time. He's He's won the Champions League multiple times, so I'm not going to say that he is not a good goalkeeper. But you know they've they've spent um, I don't know how much it was was it 20 million, 13 million on him or on Navas 13 million euros I think. Okay, well, I mean it's it, it may be a minor upgrade, but if you'd have shown Ariola the respect in the first place, <laughs> he'd have had confidence. Goalkeepers thrive on yeah. confidence. If you're not certain of your place, if you're not certain that every tiny little thing, even things that are not your responsibility or not your fault, is going to be put under the microscope and analysed. You know, I go back to the defeat against Wren a few weeks ago. I've seen people blame Ariola for both of those goals. Yet, you know, the likes of Thiago Silva, the likes of Marquinhos have got off scot-free through their poor marking. But no, it's been Ariola's fault, according to to, to, to numerous PSG supporters. So mm-hmm. I, I really just think there is a, a, a lack of of, uh, of sort of respecting. You know, he's a, he's a homegrown player. He's, he's done the hours. He's done the time. He's done the loan spells. And every loan spell he's done, he's excelled at. You Additionally, know, uh, he's, he's, he's only days. gone on loan to Madrid. He's only gone on loan, so it seems... Well, he if he's Problem. got any sense, if he's got any it's sense, it's not permanently solved once again. Yeah, if he doesn't, if he has any sense, he 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 doesn't go back to PSG. He he either uses the time at Madrid to to yeah. stake a claim that he could oust Courtois, or he he uses his time at Madrid to to show yet again what he can do, and hopefully then PSG will do the decent thing and let him leave on a permanent transfer because he's. Uh, for my belief, he's he's been woefully disrespected by PSG and deserves so much better. Uh, let's move on to the other burning question of the day. Uh, Mo, Valentin Rongier, the former Nantes captain, I, I guess, on his way to Marseille, he took a flight this morning. He's been at the Marseille training camp all day. Where does it stand? The negotiations have been pretty tough, I understand. Well, yeah. So, I mean, that, that question is still burning, but we're 90 minutes away from the window closing. And uh, as it appears, uh, Hornchier is 
having dinner with Anthony Zubizarreta, the, the Marseille sporting <laughs> director, um, because the conversation between Voldemar Kita, the North president, and Jacques Henri Iro, the, the Marseille president, is ongoing. Um, the 15 million euro fee had been agreed, um, and Nantes want 50% of any resale value, while Marseille have offered 30% of the profits in the move. Yeah. Which is 20, I mean, it's not just 20%, it's, it's, it's quite two, two different deals. 50% would be absolutely stupid, in, in my opinion. Ronchier is a, is a fine player, but not too dissimilar uh, than Morgan Sanson. Um, so it, is, it has a bit of a, des, you know, a deadline day panic buy about it. Even though mm. he, is, he is a good player, this still had been an offing since late July. Uh, but it's taken up until the 2nd of September at 10.30 Central European time. And it's still not done because of Waldemar Kita is playing hardball. And there's an indication that the Nantes president, this is completely hearsay, but there's an indication that uh, the president is um, taking this down to the wire as a bit of revenge for <laughs> Rongier asking on Friday not to play and publicly stating his wish to move to, <laughs> to Marseille, which, um, as one source said earlier today, he's now paying for uh, indirectly. So... It is, uh, it is one that's going to go down to the wire. Um, it's, it's, it's already a fantastic deal for 15 million. And the thing is, Nantes have already got their um, their replacement with Ludovic Blas uh, coming in. Um, they they were thinking of Alex... Um, for 8 million uh, from and, Yes, absolutely. And they're also th- thinking about Trebel from from Anderlecht as well, which I'm not sure that's, gone through, that's happening. Uh, but Marseille have lost Luis Gustavo earlier today. Um, who went to Fenerbahce exactly. for about six million euros? So there is a gaping hole, um, a massive Luis Gustavo-shaped hole in the Marseille midfield. So an extra man is key, even though the sort of profile is is quite different. And uh, uh, Strutman, um, Kevin Strutman, would be the only recognised central defensive midfielder. Bubakar Kamara can also play there, but Strutman would be the only one. So. Uh, going forward, we really, really, really do need Rongier to come in. Um, and right now, there's a lot of um, you know things going about on Twitter about looking at the rules in the LFB handbook about Joker transfers and whatnot to see if this one uh, <laughs> does does indeed go over the line. So that that one we'll see. Wow. We have, well, hopefully, announcement by the time we finish. Uh, another announcement just minutes ago. This one's for you, Rich. Rennes have officialized the arrivals of Jonas Martin and Rafinha. Rafinha coming from Sporting Portugal, right? Yes. Yeah, no, they, they've, they've, both of those have been linked um, over the last, last sort of week, 10 days. Uh, both have been announced this evening. Uh, Jonas Martin, obviously moving across from, from Strasbourg, experienced central midfielder. He'll add a bit more cover um in in that in that particular area with um you know obviously Camavinga is 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 a sort of direct rival if you like or maybe even Clement Grenier it's nice to have that bit of bit of uh, bit of variety a bit of an option for for Julien Stefan Rafinha then yeah he's joined from Sport in Lisbon in uh, in a deal which will make him Ren's most expensive player um it's about 22 million euros in all 
Um, a lot of people, I mean, I'm not going to profess to know much about him as a player, but a lot of people mm-hmm. have suggested that this is quite a coup for Ren, that the likes of Fiorentina and the likes of Sevilla were all interested in him. So the fact that, that sort of Ren have beaten them is a, is a great sign for for Ren and, and their sort of growing desire to, to progress as a club. Um, and that the player himself, who is pretty much going to be a, a sort of direct replacement for Ismail Assar, um, probably will be played um, out on the out on the right wing. Um, will will come in and and by the sounds of it, Ren fans I think should be quite excited about it, about the prospect of of what he can offer the club. So um, two two I think really good signings for for differing reasons. One with the experience and and the ability to provide some cover in the area. The other an exciting young player who can provide a bit of pace and skill down the wing. Um, I think. All in all, I mean, Ren fans would never profess to be satisfied, but all in all, it's been a relatively decent transfer window considering the sort of high-profile departures that that Ren have lost. I think the majority of them have managed to be replaced and in many cases, actually, they've been upgraded. Um, So, yeah, I I speak as a Ren fan is that I'm I'm actually pretty satisfied with, with the transfer dealings that have gone on this summer. Also, just minutes ago... Uh, Mo, Galatasaray have announced that Falcao has signed for three years from Monaco. Monaco have been very busy in the last few days. Uh, loan signing of, uh, uh, well, a return for Timwe Bakayoko, who was uh, champion of France with Monaco. They also signed uh, Guillermo Maripan, a Chilean centre-back, and Jean-Kevin Augustin on loan, uh, who's a, he's a promising player. It's, it's some good business for Monaco. Uh, I mean, on paper... It looks like good business. On paper, um, of course, for us, yeah. So for, for, for me, it looks a bit more like a supermarket sweep, a trolley dash to get you know anything <laughs> that they, anything that's on offer to sort of try and stave off uh, a very poor season. I mean, they've got money to burn clearly. Um, One hundred and thirty-two million that that sort of brings up their summer spending. Uh, back in Yoko, um, wow. will he be the yeah. same player that left? I mean, I think a lot of people did think that the price they got. Um, from Chelsea two years ago was was an incredible um, one and you know Bakayoko was more of the engine okay. um, in that Monaco midfield there were more sort of uh, you know, yeah, more players that may be more responsible for, the, for, for, for their success um, Mario Pan I've not seen a lot of but if, sun, if Saturday is anything to go by or Sunday rather um, he will need to sort of uh, <laughs> improve his Defensive posture in the penalty spot, um, in the penalty area after giving away um, a penalty at Strasbourg. But um, you know, he, he I, I'm sure that it's a work in progress. Will, yeah. Exactly, I'm sure that that will that will come good. And Monaco do have a lack of sporting players um, who are who have high potential. Augustin, he's he's a player that obviously can can make a difference, uh, and it will be raring to come back to to Ligue 1 to France. Um, and to be back on in the shop window after stagnating in in Germany. And as for Falcao, I mean, they've they've done well in replacing him. But Falcao, he, he you know, the, I, I you know, there's there's a lot of respect for Falcao from me. Um, he he did well at Monaco. There was that injury, um, severe injury, he had a couple of years back, and then two absolutely wasteful years um, in in England. But came back and really sort of led a Monaco. Again, especially as the average age around him sort of dipped considerably, he he did sort of 
you know, show himself as a leader. And I think the time has come that Monaco have sort of really got their use out of him. And that now he's he's off to Turkey, where you know, hopefully he he makes a good name for himself. Just yeah, it's it's he's had he's had a good time, and I think he can look back on his time in Monaco being the fourth highest scorer of all time uh, at that club. You know, very very fondly. Rich, not far from there, Nice have also been very busy. Uh, obviously, after Kevin Dolberg and uh, Alexis Claude Maurice last week, in the past few days, they've con- they've confirmed the arrivals of Stanley and Soki from from Paris for 12.5 million euros, Adam Unas on loan from Napoli, and uh, Hisham Boudaoui, uh, who signed from Paradou FC in Algeria with the team that had uh, the team from which Youssef Attal. Uh, had uh, joined Europe a few years ago. They've been waiting all summer. We've known we've known these names, and they've been waiting all summer. They just needed that money to to get the deals over the line. I mean, yes, it's it's happened. That I mean, if if you're a Nice fan, you can you can only be excited. I think the signings that they have made um, are are excellent signings. I think there's a bit of pressure maybe um, on on the likes of of obviously Dolberg to hit the ground running. As a as a rare thing in being a centre forward at Nice, um, but obviously the likes of, of Unas and Claude Maurice to to make their contributions to to the, the scoring as well. But you know it's been a obviously the 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 Ineos deal is is still pretty fresh, only a few days in. But to have made you know progression in terms of moving in the market, they've been sensible signings. You know they're all of a young age, but they've all to a degree. Had a little bit of, of you know they've they've proven themselves to, to as I say to varying degrees, but they are exactly the kind of signings that you know to to put to to sort of compare them to someone. They're the sort of signings that the you know the Monaco when everything was going rosy for for Monaco um, for for regards to their transfer things. These are the kinds of signings. Yeah. You know they are players that 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 either have league and experience or top flight experience or are you know are already an established player in the in in their team to to look at someone like Claude Maurice. So they are exciting players. They're players for the future. If they are going to look at something akin to those sort of early Monaco days, they are players whose values will only grow. Um, you know, they've been willing to look Internally in Liga, which may uh, I think a lot of, or, or in France rather, sorry, not just Liga, um, which I think a lot of teams in the top flight seem quite reluctant to do. Um, that that you know you look at the look at the deals that Monaco made, you know, sort of four or five years ago. You know, they brought in Thomas Lamar, they brought in uh, you know Benjamin Mendy, they brought in Bakayoko, and these are all players who went on to be huge successes. Nice are doing the same. You know they, they've yeah. identified Stanley and Soki is a very, you know, is a very exciting talent. He, Patrick Vieira and his acolyte from Arsenal, Gilles Grimandi, of course, uh, you know, they had identified these profiles several months ago. It's good to see that they managed to get that done. Um, maybe just I'll go through some uh, quick news, some quick transfer news before we kind of recap the Liga action. Uh, Remy Houdin from Reims. There was tons of rumors in the past couple of days, today especially, that Fiorentina might sign him. In the end, it hasn't gone through, even though he traveled to Milan to get a, a physical done. Uh, it seems that Fiorentina have gone with uh, Rashid Ghezal, actually, from uh, Leicester, of course. 
Um, that meant that Hans didn't sign anybody, even though they were hoping to spend that money right away. Bordeaux made a last-ditch attempt to get him. It was pretty desperate, and it seems like it's not going to work. Um, at Amiens today, they announced that Aurélien Chedjou, formerly of, of Lille, of course, champion of France with Lille, in fact, uh, he makes a return to Ligue 1 to sign with the club from Picardy. Um, also on Friday, we learned that Simon Godos would be banned for four months, banned by FIFA from from playing football uh, because of a contentious um, in his transfer last year from Sweden to Amiens. Uh, so that's unfortunate for him and for you know every Liga follower because he's a he's quite a good player. Um, one more story, which was you know just too good to be excluded, but Lorient in Ligue 2 have signed on loan from from your Rennes, Rich. They've signed uh, a player called Lorienté, which is the word in French for anybody who comes from Lorient. So his name is spelled differently, but it's the perfect fit, as good as Arsène being at Arsenal back in the day. So we have just received confirmation, actually, that the Icardi deal is uh, going to happen loan with a 70 million buy clause that's correct mo yes so uh it definitely seems like um he might be around to stay <laughs> hopefully if, if that if, you know if yeah if that deal well, goes through and that season he has it's, it's a good one yeah it's, it's and, a, on, and on the on the on the contract dimarzio saying eight million psg will be paying him wow there'll be a two million bonus if they if they activate that that purchase option, so uh, he is uh, he's going to be a very rich man, I think, after his spell with PSG. Works out to be one hundred seventy five thousand a week or something like that. Well, it's, so, yeah. it's a pretty good end to the story for him, seeing as he had been pretty much sidelined by Antonio Conte, who wanted to hear nothing about him at, at, over at Inter. So, mm-hmm. well done, Icardi. Let's move on, therefore, to the Ligue 1. And the big game over the weekend, the big Sunday night match, was between Marseille and Saint-Étienne. Uh, Mo, it's a 1-0 win for Marseille. Yes. Um, so, well, well, I'm very, very happy because, um, obviously, this podcast last Monday, when we just had the single point, but now have recorded wins over a new side who are joint top. Um, and a Saint-Étienne side who are sort of everybody's picks for a top five. Um, and this is supposed to be crisis hit Marseille. So it's been a very, very good week. A lot of progress has been made. Um, and yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting game. It was a feisty, though, a feisty tempered game. If you, if you think about how OM have already sort of flopped um, in the first two games against weaker opposition, um, the fact that they picked their chances, um, I think it was one of two shots on target in the first half. Um, and then sort of weathered a bit of the storm, um, and still created as well uh, at the end of the first half. At uh, the end of the second half, um, that was a really, really good sort of performance to see. Um, the, the players I will shout out were, of course, Dario Benedetto, who has more than made up for his penalty missed two weeks ago in Nantes, uh, where he's mm-hmm. got two from two and started off a very, very silky move. Uh, with Bunasar, with the com- same combination that Fantastic enabled, goal. yeah, the same combination that enabled uh, the, the opening goal against uh, Nice on Wednesday. Um, Ooh, yeah. So yeah, he was he was he was very very good. He almost scored a lovely second with a back heel as well, um, about midway through the second half. Um, and Alvaro Gonzalez. Um, so 
definitely shout out to both summer signings. A rare bit of light for OM. Um, Alvaro was very, very clean in defence. He won 92.3% of his duels. Um, he has been immense in that he's put Shaletta Star out of, out of the team at the moment. And he was always supposed to be the third choice defender, the sort of old hand that will give uh, the youngsters a bit of a bit of cover, you know, would, would sort of slot into Rolando's position, as it were. In fact, mm. he's walked straight into the team and has really sort of taken taken to OM. And the only goal that he's conceded in the three games that he's played um, has been the penalty that Jordan Amavi stupidly conceded in uh, Nice uh, on Wednesday. <laughs> so he's been fantastic. He's been an absolute revelation. And I think the fans have really taken him there. Um, and it's been good for, for the tactical progress, how Omar play, playing. They were very balanced, um, a 4 3 3 formation. And it looks to be that Strutman, Sanson Lopez, and all Angier uh, will be sort of the tactical setup. And that AVB is very happy for Payet to play on the left. So I think we might ditch the 4 2 3 1 for now. Um, and uh, yes, it's it was a very good. Um, way for OM to sort of stable the you know be be a bit stable now especially that they've played like I said two weeks ago they were playing they were in a run of four games uh Ren, Monaco and Sinetti and Nice coming up after not winning any of their first two. They've won the following two. Monaco is up next away at the Stade Louis de it's it's uh, if they win that then I think it's that, a winnable you know, game something. Too, yeah. yeah it's a very very winnable game considering that Monaco all over the place at the moment. Win that or even get a good performance in that. And I think, you know, we'll have to give AVB some credit. And Amavi, of course, lucky not to be sent off. I mean... Uh... Yeah, silly player. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he's basically exposed his credit with us um, because he gave a penalty um, away uh, stupidly on Wednesday and then a really rough challenge. And I think a lot of the other fans just wanted him to go off so that Owen oh, could, you know, get somebody else at left back. Uh, as it were, he... He managed to stay on, even though it was a very rough challenge of Palencia, who's out for six weeks now, and actually stopped play because it was pointed to his leg, uh, his ankle, um, and the referee sort of I like how on. he waited for the referee to come back on the pitch before sitting yeah. on the ground, taking off his not only his shoes but his socks and everything yeah. as well. It, it was. I mean, it was swollen. I mean, cool. it was. It was. I mean, normally I'd always be defending my own player, but that was just blatant to see. And I'm very surprised how he stayed on. But other than that, other than Amavi who, as of tonight, will survive a third, tra fourth transfer window in a row, rather, <laughs> of not having any cover. Um, that's just the only sort of negative. But it's been a great weekend for OM in a very festive at Velodrome, the 120th anniversary yeah, of the club. Yeah, it was the uh, 120th anniversary of the club. Also the anniversary of various kind of uh, ultra groups. Yeah. Uh, so it was a big party there, of course. Tough week for Saint-Étienne, of course. They lost uh, in Lille uh, a few days ago. And then again, away to Marseille over the weekend. Uh, Rich, Saint-Étienne, uh, we their Europa League group was announced on Friday. It's Wolfsburg, Alexandria from, from Ukraine, and Ghent. That's Ghent with a T uh, from Belgium. We don't really know, I mean, too much about many of those teams. But it's a return for Joshua Gilavogi from, from Wolfsburg. Any strong opinions? Uh, I mean, in terms of progression for Saint-Étienne, I think that's certainly a group that Saint-Étienne can target to qualify from. Uh, Alexandria, I believe this is their debut in, in the competition. I would think so, yeah. Um, uh, Wolfsburg, 
I mean, you know, any any German side is going to be tricky, especially in 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 the mm. Europa League, as you know, Eintracht showed showed uh, most recently. But you know, that that's 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 a winnable game. Ghent, I mean, they're no mugs, but again, they're winnable games. So I think for Saint-Étienne, I think they can be reasonably satisfied, especially with um, you know some of the teams that they could have drawn, considering they were in, uh, I believe they were in pot three. Uh, that group could have been far, far worse. So I think if you're a Santetian fan or a Santetian uh, player, I think you can feel quite confident that that's, that's a group that you can emerge from. And while we're on the Europa League draw, I mean, it might as well serve as a transition for the Reims match, uh, for the Rennes match, sorry, oh, classic mistake. Um, Rennes also, um, you know, were made aware of their group on Friday. It's much tougher, isn't it? Lazio, Celtic and Cluj. Yeah, I mean, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you're Saint-Etienne, it could have been far tougher. And for Rennes, I think that is tougher. Um, I mean, as a Rennes fan, it's exciting. You know, you, you want to see your teams uh, play against the, the sort of big names. And certainly as far as European football goes and, and, and history, then Lazio and Celtic, two really big teams um, to come up against. Obviously, Close Rennes as well. Have, I think they're, they're Romanian champions. Do you remember yeah. Jakub Asila from Rennes? He, he's exactly, with Cluj yeah. now, so yeah, not not quite as uh, not quite a bigger homecoming as as perhaps Gilles Vodgley to uh, to oh, yeah, the... Etienne. But um, course, but in, yeah. in terms in terms of a group, look, you know, I I have to be confident as a Rennes fan that it's not an easy group. Um, Lazio obviously um, have have got history in this competition. Celtic again have got European history. There's obviously a great affinity between between Ren and Celtic as the sort of Celtic well, with, a, right, with, a, yeah. with a K sound rather than the S sound Celtic <laughs> link between the two teams and the fact that uh, we've uh, we played each other recently in, in European competition as well. So I think that will be a great event. You know, I think we'll see two sets of fans, two sets of passionate fans. Um, I'm hoping to see a lot of unity. Uh, in that, I think that could be a really, really uh, excellent spectacle, both yeah. both at Celtic Park, but also at Roseland Park as well. Um, I'm perhaps less confident than I would be if I was a Santetien fan, but you know, as I say, I want to see. You know, everybody wants there to see their team support. Where where European competition isn't necessarily a foregone conclusion. When you get the opportunity to play in Europe, you want you want the big teams now. Ren, I think, performed fantastically last season when they came up against the likes of Betis time, and yeah. Arsenal. Um, you know, it's you know the big teams have come a little earlier this season, but you know it's another great chance to show how far Ren have progressed. If they have progressed, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll show that they will that they have done. But it's it is a tough draw, and I think Ren will have to be at their very very best if they are to qualify from this. I know a lot of Rem fans are feeling pessimistic, but I'm I'm feeling optimistic. I think this is a great opportunity. Ren managed to raise their game when it mattered last season in, in Europe. So I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do against those teams. Well, they probably weren't at their best on Sunday against Nice. Uh, nice earning a win in the very last minutes once again. Now they're joint first in league with nine points. What did you think of them, Rich? Um, it, it was your classic game of two halves. Ren, I thought, were, were, mm. were excellent in that first 45 minutes. They got a scrappy goal, whether you want to give it to Morel or whether you want to give it to, to Lloris as an own goal, which I think is is how it's gone down. Um, we should mention that's Gauthier Lloris, the brother of Hugo Lloris, who's been at Nice for 
years, and this is only his third appearance, I think, for for Les Aiglons. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a makeshift Nice defense. They obviously yeah. had um, Christophe Perel out. They had Malone Sama out. They had Dante out. So, you know, big big players in in that defensive line, which has been the big success for for Nice over the last sort of season and a bit so far. Um, so, you know, huge credit to them for for grinding out that win. It's another ground out win that that Vieira seems to have perfected uh, during his time with Nice. Um, because, I mean, Nice certainly were, were the dominant team in the second half. Vieira obviously managed to get a message across to the players, and there was a reaction. It was a, a, a of course, I'm going to say it was a soft penalty, but it was a softish penalty um, <laughs> that Nice were awarded. Uh, Cyprian tucked it away. I think that's his third goal, third penalty uh, so far this season. So uh, he also had the captain's armband as well. So. Um, a, a great deal of responsibility being put on him, and then yeah, it was it was Racine Coley in the ninety second, ninety third minute, I think, who uh, who popped up at the far post to to nick the winner. So very disappointing from a Rem point of view. Uh, more should have been made of that dominance in the first half. Um, it, it wasn't them at their very best. They certainly dropped off in the second half, allied with the fact that Nice upped their game significantly in the second half. But it was it was another classic Nice performance, you know, sort of back to the wall, gritty, just about getting over the line. So, you know, if you're a Nice fan, you think, okay, Vieira's done wonders to get what he has got out of this squad. Now they've got all these players coming in and we saw um, Stanley and Soki and we saw Adam Unas uh, make their make their debuts during the game as second half substitutes. You've got to feel as a Nice fan with those new players coming into the team, Things things will only and can only look a lot rosier, I think. So, for a Nice fan, it's very exciting times. And uh, for uh, in Eduardo Camavinga news, uh, some some big news on on this transfer day. He's been transferred back to high school, seeing as today is the first day of class in France. <laughs> Good luck to him. There, there, there was a, there was a very funny tweet put out by a Rem fan. Is imagine the picture at school. He's gone back, and his friends say, "Oh, hi, Eduardo. What what have you done over the summer?" Well, you know, I've, I've played, football, <laughs> played football with my friends. I've I've had a few days over in China, and oh yeah, the other day I completely bossed the PSG. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, you know, if we, if, you know, he was. Uh, I think he's in need of a, you know, a game or two's rest now. You know, we've had the hype, we've had yeah, all the. And it's the a good pre- thing that Martin is coming now. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Well, that was what we were saying earlier in the show. It just adds a bit of. A bit of cover, a chance for a bit of rotation, you know, to give Camavinga that rest. Just let that pressure perhaps just ease off him slightly to, you know, get his studies back underway and and realise of, of how young an age he actually is. So, uh, yeah, no, I think I think a break would has come at a good time for him. Absolutely. Um, let's move on to Strasbourg, Monaco. It was a 2-2 draw. Mo. Two more goals from from Slimani from Islam Slimani in his second match. Uh, still no win for Monaco, however. Yeah, so they had a tad disappointing result, um, particularly given that um, Slimani did do the job for them. While I feel that both of his goals were pretty fortuitous, in that Strasbourg had uh, you know, a couple of individual errors that led to the goals, um, particularly. Uh, the captain, his name escaped me. I think it was Mitrovic or something. Um, 
um, who slipped, uh, allowing Slomani in, and with the goalkeeper Matt Sells, um, where Slomani picked the ball out of the air and just uh, sort of stabbed it, but passed past the goalkeeper. Um, mm. But he's done his job. He's done his job essentially. He's scored uh, three goals in two games. It's exactly the impact that he wanted. And he's a gut. He's you know he's a he's a he's a striker that is you know really high in confidence now because he could have got a hat trick. Um, in that um, he had a fantastic shot, cannon off the crossbar, a really lovely move from Martin. Um, and then as soon as he cannoned off the crossbar, performed an overhead kick with Celtic very well to push away, and it would have just been the cherry on top for them. But Strasbourg <laughs> at home is a difficult proposition. Monaco's defence, we spoke about Maripan briefly earlier, were a bit leaky, and Strasbourg... Um, did really well to get back into the game um, in the end. So for Monaco and credit to be to in Strasbourg, that position, yeah. Credit to Strasbourg for kind of bouncing back after obviously the disappointing loss to exactly, Frankfurt. Exactly, yeah. They were pretty limp on European Thursday. Yeah. yeah, they were pretty limp on Thursday. So a, a positive result. I mean, I'm sure that people were very um, you know, downhearted to see after Thursday that they quickly sub- were submitted to Monaco. Um but to come back the way they did and sort of, you know, really, really push for a point, uh, you know, meant that, you know, they, they ended up getting something out of it. So, you know, the Europa League had an effect on their early season form. Now that's out of the way. It's, you know, domestic form for here or in and trying to create new memories as well and trying to, um, you know, really hold on to their league status as well. I'm not saying that they're going to be in a relegation dogfight. Uh, far from it, but you know it's now time to focus on, you know, getting those points. There's no more continental journeys anymore, so it's it's a new challenge for Thierry Lorry. Absolutely. Um, back on Friday, PSG were playing in Mess. It was a a fairly routine two wi- two nil win uh, with another goal from Chupomuting, as as you mentioned earlier, Rich. Uh, probably the most interesting thing from the match was that PSG were starting. Two young players for the first time, the goalkeeper Bulka and the 17-year-old Aushish. Um, I mean, Bulka didn't really have a great deal to do, to be perfectly honest. What he did do, he was relatively accomplished. A few nervy moments at times. Um, but, you know, young player, first start, big club. You can allow him off and ultimately a clean sheet was was had. So, um, you know, it's as 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 good a start as I think you could expect for for, for Bulka. Um, as regards to Ayushish, I think obviously he's come into he's had a very very good summer. Um, I think he got nine goals for the under 17s in in the uh, European Championships in the summer. So he had a very productive um, very productive summer. Um, nice to see him given an opportunity. Obviously, a bit a lot of talk about uh, opportunities being given to 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 PSG. Um, uh, academy graduates so mm. you know fingers crossed this is not a, a, a fleeting appearance but I think in the time that he was on I think he performed really really well um, there was good movement I thought there was some good passing and you know he's he's a 17 year old and and didn't look overly phased I don't think by uh, by what was asked of him um, another the youngster yeah. that I thought thought performed really well was Colin Dagba um, yeah. I thought he he performed really really well. Um, uh, really encouraging um, outing from him. He got into Lakeep's team of the week, I believe, as well. So, um, you know, I'm um, again another young player. A right right back's obviously a position I think for PSG where he could actually get quite a few appearances. You know, Thomas Mounier mm-hmm. is 
is someone who I'm not quite sure if the hierarchy actually have that that faith or trust in. Um, they've 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 experimented with other players at right back, but Conan Dagba is more of a natural fit in that position. Um, and games like this, I think, are the perfect opportunity to give him that that kind of game time. So, um, very very impressed by him. And and uh, you know, it was quite a makeshift team from from PSB PS, PSG's point of view. Sorry. Um, with obviously all those injuries, but I think certainly the young players that came in can hold their head up high. Absolutely. On Saturday, Lyon hosted Bordeaux, and it was a 1-1 draw. Fairly disappointing from Lyon. Um, I mean, I know myself, I have an uncle in Lyon who goes to a lot of their matches, and he was telling me it felt like the Lyon from last season. And uh, yeah, Silvino had made some changes from the loss uh, during the midweek last week, uh, bringing on Terrier, for example, and Cornet as well. But yeah, no progress. Depay with the goal for Lyon. Uh, but, you know, apart from his goals, which, to be fair, he does score a lot of them, it, it's often a little bit questionable what he contributes. Um, on Sunday, Reims hosted Lille. And, you know, Stade de Reims are, are known as being giant slayers in Ligue 1. But Lille was not a team that they had beaten since their return last season. 2-0 win. Goal on a penalty from Moussa Dumbia. Goal from Rémi Houdin. Uh, was it touched or not? Uh, it's been given to Houdin from a free kick out on the side. It's kind of disappointing for Lille to uh, concede a goal like that. And it was a disappointing outing as well for Renato Sanchez making his debut. Uh, let's move on to the final few matches very quickly. I'll go over those as well. Nantes hosted Montpellier, 1-0 for Nantes. It's second win for Gourcuff since his return. Um, in the absence of Rongier, who was obviously not playing, as you mentioned earlier, Abdoulaye Touré was captain and he scored the only goal. Touré himself, you know, he said after the game that he had been hoping to leave Nantes this summer. Uh, he, he was quite honest yeah. about it, which I found amusing. But he did well in that match. And I think he's a good player. If, if he's given the armband, that might convince him to stay and do a good job. Nîmes-Brest, 3-0 for Nîmes, goal from Zinedine Ferhat. I believe you guys talked about him last week. Yep, he's uh, had another really good weekend. Um, and yeah, hopefully, long I think he's been called up as well. He has. Uh, he makes his return in the Algerian squad. It was a great finish through the keeper's legs. Uh, another goal, uh, another great goal by Theo Valls to make it two. And then Kevin Denki, the, I believe he's Togolese, um, scored a bicycle kick to make it three. That makes two goals for him in, in 11 minutes, touches. wasn't it? In, yeah, in seven in 11 minutes, touches of the considering ball. Considering <laughs> everybody around him has played at least 200 minutes more, 11 minutes and is already <laughs> fourth or fifth in the top scorers' rankings. That is incredible. Though something tells me that he might, <laughs> that might be the high point of his season. Played very well, might be. But good to see Neem, uh, you know, getting a win despite you know losing so many players over the summer. Toulouse bounced back from their defeat to PSG. They beat Amiens 2-0. Uh, great goal by Makengo. Another goal as well from our Greek striker Koulouris. Um, and finally, Angers earned a 2-0 win against Dijon, which means they're also top. Uh, they're also joint top with nine points. Uh, you know, they've kind of crept up there. Obviously, we made a big deal about their 6-0 loss, but uh, that's, that's three wins in their other matches. Um, Dijon, all at home though that's uh, still considered they've all been at home they've had the benefit of having three home games in the first four 
Um, we'll see so. how it goes. Yeah. And Dijon, for their part, uh, have yet to win a single point. It's the complete opposite of how they started last season. Um, so that's unfortunate for them. Uh, in Ligue 2, Le Havre are now top. They beat Caen in the Normandy Derby. Uh, there was an article on our website over the weekend by Joel Mid about how Paul Le Guin, um, how he has arrived at Le Havre this summer and the work he's done. Uh, I recommend you take a look at that. Uh, in other news as well, this weekend, the French women's national team played their first match of the season. It was all a little bit uh, wishy-washy. It was reunions with the coach after some of the harsh words that were spoken publicly after the World Cup. In any case, France were playing Spain and they won 2-0. Goals from Eugénie Lossemer and Delphine Cascarino. Fantastic chip. I recommend you, you check that out. Right, and that brings us to the men's national team. They play this weekend against Albania. Uh, Albania on Saturday, Andorra on Tuesday. And there was some news over the weekend, some changes to the squad. Emeric Laporte injured for Manchester City. Samuel Mtiti is back in. And the big news today, Paul Pogba has had to pull out as well. He came off injured for Manchester United. And Matteo Genduzzi makes his first appearance in uh, the French squad, which is very exciting for me. Uh, Mo, you live in Finsbury Park, don't you? Well, not not far away from it, yes. Not far away. Well, I'll name you to answer this then. Matteo Ganduzzi, is he? it's a fair reward, isn't it? It is, yes. He's had a good start at Arsenal. And again, I think part of me thinks that you know, Deschamps is more relaxed with you know giving young players a bit of the reward that they deserve. It could only be the other. Because they are playing Armenian Andorra, would he have done the same where they was a tough qualification game away to say in Turkey, for example, or Portugal or all these other places. Mm. Uh, but it is still a, a very fine reward for uh, for Genduzi, who showed yesterday, for example, in the North London Derby that he he's very creative in the ball. He's very high prospect. So, And I think it's, it's just reward. And it's a good thing that Deschamps is sort of tinkering with giving uh, players, you know, that opportunity, you know, I think we'll, we'll pass another cycle Next summer, uh, with the Euros, where a couple of other players will sort of leave the leave the squad, so it's good to start uh, giving a couple of these players promotion. So it's a very, very good um, day uh, moment for for Genduzzi, who does deserve it. Absolutely. Saturday is the first match of the international break at the Stade de France against Albania. Uh, I mean, we we would expect that to be a, a routine win. Uh, obviously, France are top of the group with nine points, tied with. Turkey and Iceland, I think. Do you guys have any predictions for this game? I mean, there's been, in the past few years, we have played against Albania and there have been some some tough fixtures against them. Yeah, they've got a history of not making it particularly easy for France. Um, mm -hmm. it, it will be, it will just be, I always say this about France when it comes to qualification games that they should win easily. It won't be fun watching if you're a, a France supporter. It it won't be a fantastic performance, but I'm, I'm, you know, they'll get the job done. Um, but it perhaps won't leave a lot of people sort of purring with delight over the performance, shall we say? It'll be a uh, a scrappy, narrow win, I predict. Yeah, obviously, um, with those matches, it's always about getting that that first goal because once you've scored the first one, then then you can have a party and score as many as you like. But you know, if the other team makes it until halftime without conceding, it becomes a little nervous, a little tense. Uh, and and sometimes yeah, there's been tough ones in the past. 
Um, obviously, a few years ago, which was a nil-nil draw, and which is, uh, well, according to the legend, if you want, one of the reasons why Lacazette has received so few call-ups by, by Deschamps was his disappointment at that match. And uh, I think, they, oh yeah, in the, at the Euro as well, we played against them. Uh, was That was 1-0, wasn't it? Or 2-0? Did Martial score? Which game was that? Sorry. The the game at the Euro um, in the group stage. Well, Martial didn't play in the last yeah. Euro. What was that? Well, Who? Or am I being stupid? <laughs> they, we were in the same group as Albania, yeah. Yes, Albania. It was Griezmann. Uh, Payet. Payet played at the Velodrome, wasn't it? France, oh, right. Albania. Yes, it was at the Velodrome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that will be a... I mean, I hope Payet was, was back one. in France squad. But yeah, it was a... Yeah, that was two, goal, right. two goals in injury time, wasn't it? Yes, oh, one, yes. one from Griezmann, one from Payet, if I may be correct. Um, That's right, yeah. Yes. Oh, indeed. what had happened was, I think he had started... He had started um, Martial and and Coman on the wings uh, to kind of mm-hmm. give turnover, thinking that Albania would be weak, and they had kind of failed to deliver, and that's why they didn't play exactly. much. So he was left to he was left to. Uh, and then, well, Coman Martial did 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 scuffle that game if I can remember correctly, and then uh, he put on Griezmann and Giniak and Pogba as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to sort of he he put on these sort of subs. Uh, for what he expected to be a week ago, they didn't do anything. So threw on the players that he dropped, <laughs> um, and they came up with a good. I thought Albania were very, very good. Um, I maybe probably did deserve a point um, in that game, but yeah, good memory, good memory. Absolutely. Do we know if if Loic Sana is is still around for Albania? Uh, did he not retire? Uh, I'd be surprised oh, he's he still playing. Maybe, maybe he did. Um, he, well, he was. Yeah, it was very behind, good homecoming yeah. for him, but he he did retire. Actually, he 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 absolutely did, and oh, currently he's okay, an ambassador yeah. for Albanian football. If anyone's interested, oh wow! But I did retire after he left Nantes in, three years ago. In fact, I think that was his last game at the Euros of uh, France Albania at the Velodrome because he was he was sent off in one of the games, wasn't he? So, um, well, you can count on me for the breaking news then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, give us your score. Predictions then. Um, I'll 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 go I'll go two nil, but it will be as with the uh, the Euros match. It will be goals quite late on. All right, Mo. Uh, three nil um, against Armenia. Al- Albania. Albania. Sorry, I don't know why I keep saying yeah. Albania for some reason. My geopolitical. Yeah, actually, I don't want to get into any geopolitical difficulties. Um, but, um, yes, three nil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I think, well, first game of the season at the Stade de France, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say they'll score early and, and, and have a good one. So I'm going to say 4 0. Uh, that's all for us today. So make sure you follow us on Twitter at GFFN and check out our website, getfootballnewsfrance.com, to hear all the latest news, of course, about French football. And we'll be back next week to discuss the French national team in further detail. Thank you for listening and have a good week.